Today, our passage is going to be coming from Ephesians chapter 5. It'll be verses 22 through 33. So I invite you to follow along if you'd like in your own Bible or on the screens as the words are shown behind me. So Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. Wives, be subject to your husbands as you are to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church, the body of which he's the Savior. Just as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be in everything to their husbands. The husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her in order to make her holy by cleansing her with the washing of water by the word so as to present the church to himself in splendor without a spot or wrinkle or anything of the kind. Yes, so that she may be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as they do their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hates his own body, but he nourishes and tenderly cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, and because we are members of his body. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And this is a great mystery, and I'm applying it to Christ and the church. Each of you, however, should love his wife as himself, and a wife should respect her husband. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So last week, um, it's good to be back. I'm sorry I had to miss last week. We had a little bit of a a family situation, but everybody is good. And I was thankful for Embra to come in and and preach kind of last minute for us. And he did a great job. I went back and watched it online. And he uh, did a a good way of tying in uh, John uh, chapter 5 and the healing power of Jesus as as a hero and also as we kicked off our Hero Hotline VBS. So it was quite, quite the excitement last, last week. I hate that I missed it, but I'm glad to, to be back here. And so today we're going to pick up in our series that we have for the summer, and that is the Relationship Roadmap. We're looking at different relationships in our own lives and what Scripture and what God teaches us and how we are to interact in those relationships. It's important. Because what God asks us or calls us to do in our relationships is sometimes different than what the world, the secular world, calls us to do or expects us to do. And so for the world to see what a Christ-like relationship is, we have to live that out because they're they're not going to know any other way. But they can see it through the way we relate to one another. And so what we're going to look at today is the Christian marriage. That's what we're going to look at, the Christian marriage of a husband and a wife. And what scripture calls husbands and wives in ways for them to relate to one another. Okay, That's what I just read from Ephesians about certain things wives and husbands are expected to do. And what that is showing the world. What is that modeling for the world to see? So we're going to look at the Christian marriage. Now for many of us growing up. The primary example that we had of marriage would be the individuals in our families that we saw routinely that were married. Okay, Aunts, uncles, grandparents, your own parents if they were married. Those type situations, we would see marriages within our families and that's where we would begin to learn, right or wrong, how marriages work. Okay, How marriages work. Uh, For me, growing up, I was fortunate enough that I had my grandparents, both sets of my grandparents were alive. Uh, One set, my mom's parents were married, my dad's 
parents were divorced and both remarried, okay? So I had a lot of Christmases growing up that I got to travel to, and I got a lot of presents. It was great. Um, so, but I got to see those marriages play out. And, and my mom's parents, the ones that remained married, my grandfather was an independent pharmacist, World War II veteran. My grandmother was the typical housewife and supported my grandfather's uh, pharmacy. She'd worked the cash register a lot and did whatever she could, okay, to support the business, support her husband, support their marriage and their family, okay? And that's what she did, and she took care of her family. She did a great job. My grandfather took care of his family. My dad's parents, they were also supportive within their own marriages, okay? My dad's dad was a firefighter and retired at the city of Jackson, but while they were married, my grandmother on that side, she supported him and take, took care of the kids, so he worked. He also installed gutters on the side on the weekend to make extra money, but he was always working. And she supported him and the marriage and the family by taking care of the house. Now, roles change, though. Each marriage is different. My parents were slightly different than their parents, okay? My parents, growing up, my mom stayed home with us until we got to kindergarten, and I was the baby. So when I went to kindergarten, she went back to work, okay? So she worked, my dad worked, my dad was a pharmaceutical sales rep, so he was always traveling. So my grandparents helped out a lot at home, but my mom and dad both worked most of my memory growing up. But that's what they did to support each other. And whenever uh, my dad was out of town, my mom would make sure we were taken care of. If my mom had to be out of town, my dad made sure we had, were taken care of, which was a lot of microwavable meals. Okay, I can tell you the best Hormel microwavable meals and mashed potatoes out there. Okay, But that's what they did growing up, and we turned out just fine. When I was in high school, my mom decided to go to college. She never went to college, and so she went back when I was in high school, and my dad supported her in that. And there again, the microwavable meals continued, and so it was great. But my parents' marriage was different than their parents' marriage. And just like my marriage, my marriage is different than my parents. My wife and I are both college-educated. We got married young. We got married at 19, okay? So we learned a lot. We've grown up together. And so our marriage was different than our parents' marriage, but it worked for us. We brought in our own ideas of marriage from our families, from our parents and grandparents, and we learned a lot. We're still learning a lot. You know, I've told, you know we've had great many years of marriage, and I believe many more to come. And marriage is something that God had ordained, a Christian marriage. And it's for individuals who decide to come together and raise a family and one of my most favorite things to do as a pastor, one of the highlights of my job is to conduct a wedding for people. And when you do that, you get to know the couple as a pastor. You know, usually they're individuals within your church you already have a relationship with. But then you really get to know them because most pastors, I, I, incur I require this, that if I'm going to do your wedding, we're going to have a few sessions of meetings, okay, where we get to know each other in depth. And I get to make sure you're uh, focusing on certain things that a Christian marriage needs to focus on. And one thing about a Christian marriage, as you kind of picked up in this passage here, everybody has a part to play. Everybody has a part to play in a marriage. And so it's very, very important when you get married and throughout your marriage you have conversations. Communication is very key in a marriage. Communication is very key in any relationship okay today's just focus is just on marriage right now but communication is key so when I have them come and come to my office and sit down 
I said, all right, we're going to talk about three kind of hot points, hot topics that most marriages, all marriages actually will have to deal with at one point or another. One is family. As I talked about just a moment ago, the different examples of marriages in my growing up within my family. My wife's had different ones as well. But family is something that I encourage all couples to talk about. How were you raised? How was the discipline and responsibilities doled out in your house? What were the expectations? What was your parents' relationship like and other family members' relationships? Whose house did you go to for Christmas and all the holidays? And what was the expectations? Talk about that because you're going to bring in your own expectations from your own experience and expect your partner to pick up on it. Okay? Guess what? They're not going to pick up on it. You've got to talk about it. Okay? You've got to have those conversations about holidays and parenting and all of that stuff and what your family dynamics are like. Okay? So family is a big one that I encourage and we all have conversations about before I do a wedding. Just make sure they're talking about all of that. The other one is finances. Who doesn't like to talk about money? But when you get married, you are technically meshing together your monies, okay, one way or the other. And that's a, a, usually a, a point of a lot of disputes, okay, is money, all right, and your, and your view of money, of how it's spent, how it's saved, how it's made, where it goes. Are you okay with debt or you're not okay with debt? How much debt? All that, those types of questions are very, very important to have and to continue to have. So we talk about finances. And then the last one is faith. Okay, It's also very, very important to talk about faith in a relationship. So I encourage them to talk about what was your faith life like. Obviously, you are intending to have a Christian marriage because if I'm present at your wedding, it will be a Christian marriage. It will be a worship service. God will be invoked. If you don't want that, then go to the justice of the peace, go online and find you somebody that can do your wedding, that's fine. But if I'm involved, this is going to be a worship service and it's going to be a Christian wedding and a Christian marriage. So you got to talk about faith, all right? What was your faith like growing up? What do you believe? What are your expectations within your marriage for faith? So I always encourage my couples to get connected to a faith community because guess what? If anybody in here has been married before, you know... Marriages are tough. They're not like the romantic comedies you see on TV and in the movies. They always cut off at a happy ending, but they don't show you the next day, okay? Marriages are tough. They are a choice. And so I encourage them to be a part of a faith community that can support them in their difficult moments of life, okay? That's what church is about, is to support each other and support those that are in a marriage. So I encourage them to find a faith community. If our church is not going to be one since I'm doing the wedding, you're going to go somewhere else and move to a different town, find you a church, and if you need help, I'll help you find a church. Because that is so incredibly important for marriages, is to have that. But like I said, marriages are, are hard. I, I worked um, at a couple of high schools in town, and when I was coaching, there was an older coach that kind of mentored me a little bit, and we are just talking about life one day at lunch, and he said, you know what, we're just talking about families, and he said, you know, marriage is the hardest work I've ever done in my life, and I was like, well, I can understand, I can see that, it's been, it takes work, so I understand that, and he said, yeah, I should know, I've done it three times, okay, <laughs> and I said, oh, okay, yeah, you do have experience, it is a lot of work, but, you know, marriages are also 
ordained and established by God. Okay, And so what we're going to look at today is we're going to break down this passage from Ephesians and, and look at the roles of wives, husbands, and then just the married, the marriage itself, the couple itself. And so Paul wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus because... If you were a, a, a new church in the Roman Empire, which is where all these churches were, you had to fight against culture and society a lot. Okay, Not everybody understood what you believed as a Christian, as this new faith was being formed, the father of Jesus Christ. And so you had a lot of influences and pushback from society. So Paul would often write letters to his churches to uh, reaffirm them, encourage them, and give them teachings on how to live a Christian life. And so here to the church in Ephesus... In this chapter, he's talking about the Christian marriage, all right? And he says, he says look, Christian marriage is going to be a little bit different than these Roman marriages and things you see out there. And so this is how they should work, okay? First, let's take a look at the wives. He says here in uh, chapter tw uh, verse 22, he said, Wives, be subject to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband's the head of the wife, just as the Christ is head of the church, his body and himself is Savior. And just as the church is subject to Christ, so also... Wives ought to be in everything to their husbands. Now, a lot of folks like to cherry pick this verse and be like, okay, wives, you got to do everything your husband says. Everything your husband says. Hate to tell you, that's not exactly the intent of this passage, okay? Not the full extent of what it's trying to tell you here. You know, uh, someone once told me, and I, I, I love this quote, and it's kind of true, I think, in most marriages, but he said when he got married, he said he and his wife decided that, you know what? He was going to make all the major decisions in the relationship. Okay, all the major ones. And she was going to make all the minor decisions in the relationship. And so when I heard that, I said, well, how's that working for you after so many years of being married? And he said, it's worked great. We have not had to make one major decision our whole entire marriage. Okay. And so, you know, there's some truth to that. But you, with this passage here, when you take the word submit, it means surrender. And actually, when it was used in the Greek vocabulary, it was more like armies surrendering their weapons. Okay, It's more of laying down your arms. Okay, You know, in a marriage, when you look at it, it's not all about you. You know, the moment you get married you realize that it's no longer going to be about you. And when you think it is about you, that's where you're going to have those conflicts, okay? Because that goes against the nature of a marriage. It's not about the individual. It's just not. And so you have to surrender yourselves. And so here he is saying, wives, surrender yourselves, lay down your arms. Surrender yourselves to your husband, just as Christ surrenders himself, okay? And I'll get to that in just a minute. And when it talks about surrender yourselves to Husbands, we don't also need to misinterpret that, that wives and women are to submit to men in every aspect of their lives. No, the Bible never commands a general submission of women unto men in society. Okay, let me make that very clear. So the order of command only in the spheres of the home and the church, but mainly the home with the husband, okay? And so God does not command that women submit to men everywhere. So yes, there can be women presidents in charge of military. There can be women ministers in charge of churches. There can be women CEOs. A lot of my superiors in my life have been very, very strong, professional, educated women that I respect and have learned a lot from. Okay, 
So this passage is not to be misconstrued that women are to submit to men in society in general. This is more about husbands, but submit doesn't just mean you do everything the husband says. As I said that earlier, it's more of a surrendering for the marriage. Women are not less than men, and this passage does not say that. And when you think about it, as I said, as Christ surrendered himself to the church, Jesus, when he went to the cross, he didn't want to have to face that death. No one wants to be crucified and experience that pain. And he could have chose to not have done that within his right, but he chose to submit to God. Jesus submitted to God, and Jesus is part of the Trinity with God. Okay? So even Jesus is modeling what a submission is. It's for the greater good of the Trinity and the greater good of God's plan. It was not for God's benefit only. Okay? So when it talks about women submitting in a Christian marriage, it does not demote the woman or at all or anything, but when she surrenders, she does it for the greater good of that marriage. Okay? So it's, it's tough to think about, but that is what Paul is saying here. But... Husbands also have a responsibility as well, as well in this marriage. It says here in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her in order to make her holy by cleansing her with the washing of the water by the word, so as to present the church to himself in splendor without a spot or wrinkle or anything of the kind, so that she may not be holy without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives with their own bodies. He should love his wife as he loves himself. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but he nourishes and tenderly cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, because we are all members of his body. So husbands, you equally submit yourself to your wife and to your marriage. You are to die for your marriage. You are to sacrifice the point for the betterment of that marriage. Christ went to the cross and died. Husbands are also do the same. So that, that right there tells you, husbands, it's not all about you. It's not all about you. That marriage is not about you. Your role is to support the marriage. Your role is to do everything you can to make sure that marriage is successful and protected. Husbands are supposed to be the spiritual leaders of their home. Okay, They're supposed to be there to help guide their family. They're supposed to be there to set the spiritual tone in the household. Just as, go back to Adam and Eve. Okay, go back. There's so many parallels of things we can learn from Adam and Eve. First, about the whole marriage part being equal, Eve comes from Adam. They are both created from the same being, okay? They are one and the other. They are created together, and from together they serve. But the thing is the garden, is when you go back to the garden, Adam's job was to tend and to protect the garden. Okay? He was supposed to be on the lookout for threats. All right? And he failed in that. He failed in that because who was able to get into the garden and get to Eve? The serpent. Adam should have been there. And actually, Adam was there when you read that passage. Adam was there with Eve when Eve received the fruit and took it, and he didn't stop her. He was not on the lookout. He was blinded. He missed his role. So husbands have the role to protect their family spiritually and to guide their families. That is one big responsibility that they have. But they are also to sacrifice themselves for their families. They are to make sure that their family 
and their marriage comes first. And see, this is the next part of the passage that's real important. It says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And this is a great mystery because I am speaking about Christ and the church. Each of you, however, should love his wife as himself, and a wife should respect her husband. Okay, It is a team effort. But when a couple gets married, they leave their families. They are now their own family unit, whether or not they have children or not. Some couples can't have children. Some couples adopt, have foster kids or whatever, okay? But they become a family unit, the husband and wife, okay? And they are now are to support each other, all right? They are their own unit. They still love their parents and whoever raised them. They still love their siblings, but they are not accountable to them anymore. They are accountable to each other and to God now at that time of marriage. When I was 19 and I got married... Both her parents and my parents did the best thing for us. They said, you're going to be your own family unit. We're going to love you, and we will support you, but we are not going to take care of you. That is y'all's responsibility if you choose to go forth and do this. And we said, okay, and we did. So I worked full-time and went to college full-time. My wife worked part-time with the college full-time because her college and nursing school is real intense. But she got done with school before I did, a year early. So she went to work full-time while I finished school. And then we both worked together to support our family and support each other. And we did not rely upon our parents. They, didn't, they wanted us to learn to figure it out ourselves. Because we were accountable to each other. And so that was a lot of hard work. And it would have been a lot easier if they did give us just money and whatever else we needed. But we would not have been accountable to each other. We would have been accountable to them. And so in a Christian marriage, when a husband and wife are joined together, they are now accountable to each other. They are to support each other. They are to allow God to be the center of their lives. Because that's what this is saying here, too. When they talk about surrendering yourself to the marriage, but you do so with Christ in the center. Just as we, as Christians, married or not, we surrender ourselves to God daily. God gave us free will. Yes, we can make our own choices, but he gave us free will in hopes that we would then give it back to him. And so, in a marriage, you're supposed to serve yourself or serve in a way that honors God. It's not about you, but it's about the marriage and it's about God. And so, these instructions here are, are very, very important for all of us. As we look at this relationship roadmap over the summer, as we look at different relationships in our lives, as we look at how husbands and wives relate to each other, and what the role of the Christian marriage is. And you, once you read this, you can see how a non-Christian marriage can have a lot of difficulties. You can see how a non-Christian marriage is going to have struggles and trials that are very difficult when they start serving only themselves, when they only serve the individual going after their own wants and wishes. If that's the case, you never should have got married in the first place. And that's why it's so incredibly important. That's when I meet with these couples. I say, look, it's incredibly important on who you choose to marry. It really is. It is one of the biggest decisions and most important decisions you can make in your entire life. It really is. There are moments in your life that, that will stick with you forever. 
Some would be getting uh, your college degree, if you went to college, or getting that job, or whatever major accomplishment you're striving for. That would be one memory in your life you'll probably never forget. If you ever get the chance to have children, it would be the birth of your children. But if you ever get married, the marriage days can be one of those things that will, that will be with you. And so it's incredibly important that you pray through that decision, that you talk to a pastor, that you make sure that you're, that you're ready for it. Marriage, like I said, is not like the romantic comedies where you have all these gushy feelings and everything ends out like the perfect day. No, there are tough days in marriages. And it's not always about the feeling. It's about the choice you make, the sacrifice you make for that, for that relationship. But there's going to be days where you make mistakes. For married couples, there's going to be days where you make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. There is not one perfect person but Jesus Christ. If you were perfect, then he did not need to come. But he came because no one's perfect. And so in that regard as well, a Christian marriage models a Christian relationship to God, Jesus' relationship to God, God's relationship to us. And in those relationships, there's an element in there that I'm so very thankful that's there, and that is grace. So when you make a mistake in a marriage... Own up to it, but also realize there's grace involved because of Jesus Christ. Because God gives us grace for when we make mistakes in our daily lives. We are thankful for that grace. We strive to not make those mistakes again. But also, no marriage is perfect. Not one marriage is perfect. And so one thing I want people to walk away with that, that are in a Christian marriage, is to give each other grace as God gives you grace. Because mistakes are going to happen. And so today, being Father's Day, I think it's kind of, you know, fitting that we look at a Christian marriage, we look at what God calls that to be, and how that relates to us in our own lives, but also for us to give thanks, to give thanks for God and what He has done for us through Jesus Christ, for the grace that He shows us, and modeling us for how we should have our relationships, and that is built on the foundation of love. So may we remember that message this week as we as we learn about relationships as God calls us to be in relationship with one another. Let us pray.